In this episode, we talk about the Academy PM program, more about the powerful storytelling and coding app Twine, how stranger things can happen in the classroom, and an augmented reality tool for community building and so much more. Welcome to Shooks and GIF, the podcast where we share edtech treasures we love. Each week, we'll share a tool, podcast, tip, or trick with you, our listeners. We are your hosts, Kim Polishuk and Jen Giffen. Let's give it a go. Hey, Danny. Hey, Kim. Why was everyone so tired on April 1st? I'm not sure why. They had just finished a march of 31 days. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back with another episode of our midterms. Jen and I are on hiatus, but we are putting out some content with some of our EdTech friends, and hopefully they can share some great ahas. And today I am here with Danny Leeming. Hey, Danny. Hey, how's it going? Good. I, I feel like this is an episode of Kelly and Ryan, and you're stepping in for... For Jen, the way someone would step in for Ryan if he's on vacation. So thanks no for co-hosting with me. <laughs> uh, Danny, I was super excited to have you on. I'm going to tell the story of how I asked you to be on this podcast before I ask you to introduce yourself. Okay? Sure. Because sure. it's, it's a little ridiculous. So I had just spent the whole weekend out in Victoria, British Columbia with Danny. And this wasn't the first time we met. I met Danny last year up in Kootenai, BC, but we were both working on an event together a couple months ago in Victoria. And I had spent the whole weekend with him. We were all learning. We were all presenting. And I mean, I knew the guy was smart. I knew he was doing some good stuff, but I really had no concept until the 11th hour. And what I mean by that is I was sitting at the airport with Danny it's like an hour before my flight, and he just starts talking about some of the cool things he's doing in his classroom. And I kept saying, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I kept saying, stop telling me everything now because I want to put you on the podcast. And I kept, and then he kept talking, and I kept yelling at him in the airport, stop talking, stop talking. People were probably looking at me like, wow, she's really mean. And I just kept telling him to stop talking and save it. So here we are today, and I'm I'm really excited to have you on an amazing educator out from British Columbia and Danny please go ahead and introduce yourself uh, my name is Danny I teach at a small school called Mount Sentinel Secondary School in South Slocan British Columbia we've got 300 ish kids from from grades 7 to 12 um, and I'd like to think that we're one of the leading schools um, I'm gonna be bold and say one of the leading schools in the province with the way that we use educational technology nice um, and I've, I've got a I've got a big a big, big thing about rural schools doing it better with technology and having the the advantage of having nature as well as access to the whole world through the through the use of technology. So, um, my my role is a teacher librarian technology coordinator, and I also do um, a program called Academy PM, which stands for Performance Media, where we mix the traditional. Well, we get rid of the traditional classroom. There's no bells. There's no timetable. There's nothing. The kids get credit for five courses in a four course semester. They're with uh, me and another teacher, JC Schindel, um, all day, every day. We have kids from grade nine and to 12. We've got 30 of them. And the whole thing is project and performance based. And um, it's the best thing that I've ever done with my life. And uh, we've had kids that have self-published their own novels and um, took their own plays on the road to theater festivals. Wow. It sounds like, like some really authentic, personalized, relevant 
learning. That's, that's, that's wonderful. You mentioned there's no bells. You have no bells in your school. We don't listen no. to the bells. There's bells at our school, but we just, we in just your program. You don't listen yeah. to them. Yeah. We don't listen to the bells. We don't follow the timetable. And so is it just sort of, you work when you're compelled to work and you break when your body needs a break and you. Yeah. Self-regulation. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I love that. It's, it's really taking into, into consideration the learner and you're driving the learning based on the learner's needs, not on the collective. Everybody has to be at the same pace at the same time. We're really trying to push for that in our district, those kinds of innovative, flexible, responsive learning structures. So I love the fact that your program runs through that model. And I bet there are some other people on my team who might want to talk to you about how it's run and what kinds of permissions you needed to get from parents in order to be, is it a program you apply for or? It is a program. The students apply for it now. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to do as a small school was, you know what, we need to put a culture stamp on our building, but we want to have a thing that we go, you want to come and work with some movie industry professionals and you want to talk to, you want to go to Industrial Light and Magic and you want to see how the new Spider-Man movie was made. You got to come to us. No. You gotta come up to the, yeah. So, no. Yeah. So we were the first high school class that got to go behind the scenes at Industrial Light and Magic last year and got to see how Infinity War was made from the graphic artists that did all the visual effects. That's ridiculous. Yeah. If you could see ride. me right now, my eyes are bulging out of my head. That's incredible. Yeah. Real and world year, connections, man. That's amazing. Yeah. And you start digging through these, you start digging through your alumni and you start to find wow, you know what? There's a guy that graduated from Mount Sentinel 10, 15 years ago, who's now the head writer on a Netflix show. And guess what? He wants to bring our kids on stage and bring him behind the cameras when we come down this, this spring. Right. Uh, my coach, my new... Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that idea. Reaching out to your alumni, finding the resources that exist in your own neighborhood, calling on those resources and saying, come back, help the, help the place you came from. That, I, I, I love that. I, I got to ask, I'm sorry, is this public or private? Public school. Wow. And we're like, our, our families are not like, we keep the costs to do this program as low as possible. So it's uh, like, yeah. And anybody gets to participate. Money's not an issue. If money is an issue, the school just pays for it. That's fantastic. Uh, all right. So Danny, you do some incredible things in your classroom. I would love you to share some of the things that you mentioned. Now I briefly shared I think it was in our last episode of the season, one thing that you taught me, which was twine. Yes. Twine. Um, do you want to talk about how your students are, I guess, remind us what this app is and how are your students using this really powerful writing yet coding tool? Yeah. Uh, twine, I got to give a shout out to my friend Dominic Maggiolo. He's on Twitter, uh, Teacher Dom, T C H. R-D-O-M-2. He's a vice principal now out in uh, Port Coquitlam. We did our master's together. Um, my first master's course, he was like, hey, I've seen this tool around. Check it out. It's pretty cool. It's called Twine. Um, in BC, we're blessed to have a uh, sort of an extra body that does special ed stuff. Uh, called SETBC. They do special education sort of adaptive technology. Um, so SETBC, um, they do these amazing things as far as like grant programs and uh, building customized assistive technology for kids of need in, in the province. But they also do these streamed grants for classroom innovation. And so I saw Twine and they put out this grant proposal that said, hey, we want to combine coding with 
anything else thrown an application. So a teacher, Sarah Anderton and I did a pilot project about um, using coding in the English classroom using Twine. So Twine allows you uh, a super low barrier of entry into telling stories that have multiple strands. Super, super low. I did it. I did it. You did it in the airport. I did it in the airport. airport. (laughs) An airport Tim Hortons. Super low. Um, And it's, so you get right, right in the door. Okay, now you're building essentially what is like a logic tree on a on what looks like a corkboard, um, and it challenges students to not only write short stories, but it challenges them to really know the story arc and the the path of a story because they're going to have to branch out and make sure that it all it all comes together the right way. And let's say so you're a student who yeah. uh, is a hesitant writer, a reluctant writer, but but they are a gaming student or they are a student who's into math or coding, you could easily hook them in because you might not look at the writing side of it, but you could take a look at the coding side of it. Yes. And you get the opportunity. So now we have teams, you have, you know, you can have a coder and a, and a English student working together. Um, I actually found for the reluctant kids, it allowed them to express the things they wanted to talk about in their stories with visuals and pictures and then using coding to actually embed that stuff. Like we had one student who was super great athlete that loves basketball, loves basketball. So his creative story was writing a story as if he was living a day in the life of Kevin Durant. And so his, so he got to write all these little paragraphs and then he got to go out and he got to find and embed all the YouTube clips of huge dunks and blocks and all the stuff. And he was so fired up about, about his project. So it's like allowing them a different way to express themselves through visuals as opposed to um, just the writing because the writing's not the strong point, but you sort of, okay, now this is a much more interesting and engaging piece of writing. And we did say that Twine is low floor, but it is super high ceiling. I'm saying that with no coding experience. So maybe there is a, a point where it stops, but for somebody, I think, who is in elementary or secondary school who's learning how to code, there's a, long, there's a lot you can do. It just keeps oh, getting yeah. harder and harder. Oh, yeah. And, like, I've, like I'm have like i no expert by any means. Like, I, I, I teach coding and all that kind of stuff. I look at some of the Twine games you can find online, and I'm like, whoa, how'd they do that? That's so cool. But you can code full games in this. And you can use uh, JavaScripting to create a really immersive engaging experience. It's a tool that works for everybody in the classroom yeah. and meets them where they're at. So so just to clarify, when you yeah. write a story with Twine, it can yeah. be a straight narrative where you just click next to go to the next page, or yeah. you could create almost a choose your own adventure where you can determine the direction of your story. And that's where the computational thinking comes into play. If I click on this button, it will go there. But if I click on this link, it would go there. Yeah. Now, Logistically speaking, I know, again, I spoke about this in the last one, but we'll just go into a little bit more detail. When you create a Twine story, it saves to your Chrome profile. Yeah. But to back it up, you can download the HTML file to keep that on your hard drive. You can also upload it into Drive and then save it there. But the key to uploading it into Drive is you need to uncheck the box in settings that asks you whether or not you want to upload files to their counterpart. So we often tell people in Google Drive settings 
to check the box that says, if I upload a Word document, convert it automatically to a Google Doc. If I upload a spreadsheet, convert it automatically to a sheet. The problem is if you upload an HTML file with that checked off, it converts it to a doc. So you yeah, lose I mean, that. And then when you download it, it doesn't go back. So Yeah, and it gets ugly. <laughs> it gets ugly. It doesn't work. So what you want to do is if you want to store that HTML file in your drive, just go into your settings, uncheck that box, upload it, and then you can open up your settings again and recheck the box. But that way, when you go ahead and download that HTML file, it maintains its structure. And then you can just email that HTML file to anybody you want. And as soon as they open it, it opens in Chrome and it plays the story. Yeah, totally. And it becomes this like shareable. There's also uh, the publishing options, which I think you mentioned on the, yeah. the last podcast. Yeah, which I wanted again... to make sure we gave people two options because there's yeah. there's there will be teachers who don't want to go the social media route, who don't want to go that way with privacy issues. And this is a great way to just keep it locked down and secure. But uh, do you want to mention your great hack for sharing it online? Uh, yeah, so the philome.la um, is the publishing platform for Twine. So when you publish your HTML file there, it will automatically tweet out. You have to have a Twitter account. So you just create a dummy Twitter account that's private. You publish the stories, harvest the links, delete all the tweets. So smart. And I think key key there is private. So nobody can follow you. You yeah. just and then pull that link and then delete the tweet even if you want. And and it's even though his social media is involved, it's as private as it possibly can be to still get that URL that's public. Exactly. And, and, and there's also the digital citizenship education that comes in with it, with teaching the kids like, you know, this first names or initials is probably good for the my story by blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, they don't need to write their home address or their SIN number on the, on the, <laughs> <twine file. laughs> the other thing I would, I think you mentioned this before on the last podcast as well as careful when you go searching for twines online. Yes. With especially with younger students, yeah, because there's uh, it's a great tool, but there's some weird stuff out there. Yeah, I feel like at, at this stage, and again, I'm new to the resource, but yep. there's a lot of individuals out there who are using Twine to explore mental health and wellness, which I think is wonderful. But as a result, there's a lot of content that's not age appropriate for elementary. So we can start creating the content and shift the story, shift the narrative, so that there's a yep. lot of age appropriate pieces out there. Uh, but just keep that in mind when you are searching for samples. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's important to point out that like this is a medium that is lending itself to people to exploring those types of stories that haven't been explored before too. It wasn't or, its intention though. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the intention of Twine, but like people seem drawn to telling those stories on this platform, and there's something like there's something there with that that I that I'm really curious about. Like, what is it about Twine? And I don't have an answer to this, but what is it about Twine that makes those stories of depression and anxiety and all those things so much more powerful in that medium? Is it the fact that you can have the, the hand-drawn art? I think yeah, it's the, the choice. choice. It gives people oh, the choice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's what I think. But I, I also think that that's really interesting. A tool that was not originally intended for education has just been adopted and is now being adapted to suit the needs of our students. And I, I like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. I can't believe it. Uh, did we mention it's free? It's also oh, free. It's free. Hi, yeah. it's free. <laughs> yeah. It's free. And it's just uh, some, some dude's project. Um, and it's Chris Klimas. Um, and 2009 is the date on the website that he said he published twine. And it's just like this big snowball thing. That's nice. It's sort of taken off. All right, Danny, you told me some other really cool things. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to ask you this question. 
I don't even know how to ask the question because I know nothing about it, but it sounded really interesting. You teach a unit or maybe even a course through the concept of Dungeons and Dragons. Is this correct? <laughs> this is something that we're starting. So it's not, we're, we're just developing it now. I'm hoping to do it with some English seven students, either next semester or early next year. We're just getting all the material together. Um, this is another uh, Dominic Maggiolo shout out. He does, and one of his master's projects in one of our courses together was called Kobolds and Catacombs. And it's a how to teach Dungeons and Dragons in the English classroom. So I adopted this. Um, maybe if I take a step back for a second, this all this stuff comes out of my presentation on storytelling from the summit. Yes. Uh, and um, Dungeons and Dragons is an incredible way to teach creative writing to young students that begins to get them to the point where twine makes a lot of sense because everything that they do has choice involved. And Dungeons and Dragons also involves math and science and all your other subject areas, social studies, uh, social justice, all those different things because you get students writing and creating their own narratives um, and then playing them out and then they have to do the math along the way. So um, in my storytelling presentation, I use examples from Dom's class where he did a project on climate change for his science and they wrote Dungeons and Dragons stories based in sort of a medieval era about climate change. So the example that he used is the big swamp monster that spreads dark, dark smoke, which is smog, comes to the town. How do they defeat it? And it ends up being the story of defeating it. They use wind to blow it away. They use solar to shine beams on it and to reduce the pollution. They use all these renewable technologies. And then they had to spin all that learning into a creative writing piece. And then they had to roll the dice to make sure that they were so successful. So you've got your science, you've got your literacy. Uh, that's great. Uh, and what I like about it is, so me as a learner, if I'm being honest, I'd be like yeah. shut, shutting down. <laughs> like yeah. uh, All I know about Dungeons and Dragons is that they played it in Stranger Things on Netflix. Yeah. But my brother would have been all over this and might have been so much more engaged in school if this had been an option a differentiated option. So not all the kids maybe need to do this, but those kids who are, again, checked out, disengaged, this might be a way to bring them in to the learning. I, I, think, I think that's really cool. So can I give you one more example Please. that we're doing right now? So uh, SETBC, again, amazing organization. We applied and got another grant this year for them. The, the stream that we got a grant for was to combine uh, the ADST Applied Design Skills Technology with anything else. So they did the coding stream last time. This time it's just general sort of makerspace stuff combined with anything else. So we have my computer studies 10 to 12, which is a video game design class. We have our English seven students and we have our design and build nine students all working collaboratively in groups. So here's, here's the pitch. We take a shared story, the grade seven students then extract out of that story the themes, the setting, the characters, the character design, all those, all those English things. Yeah. And then we take that to the design class and then they have to make with the English students a board game that represents the story, the theme, the characters and the design. 
based around the same story, matching the themes of that story. And then in come my coding kids who then work with both groups to insert a makey makey or a micro bit to have an interactive portion of the game board. Wow. I love the collaboration that's involved there. Yeah, it's we we have about uh, 70 or 80 kids in a classroom at once. Wow. Three teachers. So that's not For, so bad. Yeah. But we have, it's got to be have, legal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Great. So we have 11-year-olds to 18-year-olds working in teams. And it's so super this is cool actually the... cross-panel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a, a transition and, exercise as well. Yeah. And it's super cool to see uh, the social stuff is, is great. Like like the mentoring and um, the grade sevens getting a sort of you know, removing that layer of fear from the grade 12s and, and that type of thing. Um, but we have some really cool projects. So like one of the board games, uh, one of our grade seven kids, uh, young Emmett, one of my faves, he, he came up with this. So the story that we picked to share together is the Avengers. So we got together, we watched the Avengers movie with a huge group of kids, super fun. Uh, <laughs> then we got together, ate Timbits and played board games, like a whole bunch of different board games to go, how do the mechanics and design things of this actually work? And then we started building, actually prototyping the game. So Emmett's idea is operation, but instead of the surgery board, you have Thanos's infinity gauntlet with the gems. And you have to pull, you have to use a pair of tweezers connected to a makey-makey to pull the gems out of the gauntlet. And if you hit the edges, you hear Thanos' snap from the end of Infinity War, and you lose. Um, so it's like they're the design class is doing all this great design work of designing the gauntlet, building the gauntlet, making it true to life, building the gems. Uh, and then they're putting it on a board that has landmarks and characters from the story in it. The grade sevens are writing the rule book. They're right, doing the box art, like taking all that English learning and trans translating it into a design piece, as well as the literacy piece, which is writing all the rules and yeah. all the stuff and the introduction and the box introduction and this and the the sort of the box marketing for it. Yeah. And then the programming class is coming in and they're doing the the gem detection, sort of using some tinfoil and some That's making wonderful. And stuff. That's incredible. Will you will you send me photos of the finished product? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We should have a boat eight games now i i want to ask you another one you this is this is when i really yelled at you in the airport you started to tell me about a project you were doing with hp reveal yes can you talk about that and what hp reveal is and its former name uh hp reveal is formerly known as erasma and it was purchased by HP and the name changed and all that. Uh, HP Reveal is an augmented reality app that allows you to turn basically anything in the world into a QR code. So you can use pictures, uh, companies use it. Sort of the business play for HP Reveal is you have like your Starbucks cup and it'll bring up uh, a coupon you can scan or a little commercial that you can watch or like if you like overlay that. if you have the app on your phone, your phone yeah. and then you overlay yeah. your phone over a picture of something something else will appear on top of it, uh, it like uh, in pokemon go you see the exactly. you see the pokemon out in the world but if you lean over it's not there if you look through your phone it is there how are you using it we're doing a project called the ghosts of mount sentinel um, name subject to change. But uh, we, if you've come to our school, we've got 50, 50 or 60 years of grad composite photo all over the hall. As many, as many secondary schools and elementary schools do, you have your composite photos of the, of the alumni. 
Exactly. Um, so if you watch our students at break, and this is something I've done for the last few years, especially the new students, they wander around and they look at all the funny haircuts and they look at all the mustaches. They look for their parents, perhaps. Look, look for their parents. Um, and they giggle and go, what's that guy doing now? What's this guy doing now? Um, and what we are doing is we are, we have, I've canvassed and collected some of the sort of the famous alumni from Mount Sentinel's history. And my academy students are now going to interview them about what Mount Sentinel means to our community, what they learned at Mount Sentinel, and what they're doing now as a inspiration thing for the students that walk the halls. And so we're going to take those little interview clips and we're going to embed them all over the composite photos throughout the school. And as a result, we're going to have an interactive film project with no start and no end that you can start anywhere. And so if you walk down the hallways with your phone, you can just scan over the photos and then bink up will pop interactive interviews playing from our alumni, uh, wishing our new students the best and giving them a little life lesson on where they ended up, how they got there and what Mount Sentinel did to get them there, which That's is fantastic. pretty neat. I love, I love Erasma or HP Reveal. Um, and the potential that it brings for classroom use and, and, and in this case, school community, really community building is what, aside from all the curriculum areas that this project will certainly hit, it's really a project that focuses on community building. Um, if you think about walking through your own school and let's say you have a poster or a picture of the latest basketball game that happened at your school, maybe a student walks by or a parent walks by, holds up their phone over the picture and a student news reporter is brought up in video format documenting the, the basketball game. Uh, if you think about kids going into the classroom, thinking about reflection, thinking about metacognition, if you have a piece of work, an essay, a, a painting, something they've done, they can film their own reflection. And then every time you hover over their piece of work, they come up explaining, here's why I did this, here's where I succeeded, here were my challenges. Every piece of work that the student does could potentially have an interactive nature to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like you think about art displays that get put up in school and you kind of look at the art and you go, I don't really get that. Or, you know, like some, that doesn't, I don't get what the kid was going for. But if you have HP Reveal, the kid can be right there explaining to you exactly what yeah. was going on. And it doesn't have uh, to be video. It can also be, you can hover over something and a still picture could come up. You could hover over something and writing could come up, right? It doesn't exactly, have to be video. Yeah. So you don't have to feel like your students must film themselves talking. You can do all kinds of things, like sort of going back to that, the art thing. You can also have interactive art pieces. So if you say you had a rain cloud, a sculpted rain cloud, that can be your aura. And then the aura can be the digitally animated rain falling out of uh, the cloud, right? There's all kinds of interactive art experiences that you can do as well, combining physical and digital media. So we are obviously not explaining in this podcast how to use HP Reveal more about the pedagogy behind it and how you might use it in the classroom. But the step-by-step how-to, we'll link to some tutorials in the show notes so that you could potentially try HP Reveal with your students, with your community, and maybe even try one of these alumni exploration projects with your community. Mm-hmm. Where, where I started was the weight room, actually, in our gym. Really? Uh, so if you go up and you watch, if you watch kids, I taught fitness for some reason. I don't know how that ended up being a thing. <laughs> I was teaching fitness one time and I had grade nines to twelves up in the weight room. And if you watch, not to stereotype, but you watch some grade nine boys go up in the weight room for the first time without a lot of direction, 
they're going to go to the mirror. They're going to get 15 pound dumbbells and they're going to do bicep curls for two hours. That's it. They're going to look at themselves and do bicep curls. And they're terrified of asking for help or guidance from older students. Okay. Uh, so we have all these old school posters on the wall. That's like, here's how to do a squat. Here's how to do a lap pull down. Right. So what we did is we, I went to some of the grade 12 boys and said, Hey, look, you guys are a little intimidating. You guys are squatting like 300 pounds. Like no grade seven is going to ask you for help willingly, even though you're a nice guy. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to create tutorials and then we're going to embed the weightlifting tutorials in the posters all over the weight room because every kid has their phone and they're listening to music. So if they look like they're just checking their song, but really they're scanning the lat pull down um, demo thing, which is stationary. And then up pops one of the grade 12s being like, make sure your shoulders are even, make sure you're pulling down evenly, nice and even, slow, release to the top. And we created this interactive weight room tutorial system all over the walls for students who don't know what what they're doing. And that's so, where we started with the reveal. I love that. I You know what? I'm working... Um, I'm working with a teacher librarian right now and we're doing a design challenge with almost every grade in the school about how they can reimagine their library to turn it into a learning commons. What if you had covers of books that you have other students putting book reviews on them? Absolutely. That would be a really great way to get student voice into the learning commons. Yeah, totally. Um, and they're more likely to believe that, believe their peers that a book is good rather than Mr. Leeming, the crusty old librarian. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, thank you so much for all these incredible shares. It was a different kind of podcast. It wasn't like our normal podcast with like quick ahas, but I felt uh, really inspired by a lot of the stories that you shared. And it's never just about the device. It's always about how can we use this device to solve a problem or how can we use this device to accelerate the learning. Um, so I think that all of your stories really show us how the pedagogy must come first. And that's what's happening in your classroom and in your school and in your role. So thank you so much for spending time on your holiday with us and our listeners sharing these great stories. It's been a pleasure and an honor as always. Thank you. That's it for this week. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you think others might enjoy some of this learning, please give us a rating. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found at bit.ly forward slash shooks and gif. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash S-H-U-K-E-S and G-I-F-F. As always, we would love to hear your ahas on the Anchor app. Or by tweeting at us using the hashtag shooks and gif, sending us an email, or talking to us in real life. I'm Kim Polishuk, and I can be found on Twitter at Kim Polishuk. And I'm Jen Giffen, and I can be found at Virtual GIF with two Fs. Thanks for listening to Shooks and GIF. And as always, have an aha, give it a go. Shooks and GIF is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca.